word, let us sing from Psalter number 346, number 346, all the stanzas. Congregation, this afternoon, the Lord willing, I hope to deliver a preparatory sermon as you are scheduled to celebrate the Lord's Supper next Sunday. But at this point, at this point, I would like to state already that attending the Lord's Supper is as much of a confession of faith as what you've done when you make public confession of faith. It is almost, it's in a different way, but it is also a confession of faith when you attend the Lord's Supper. But now the question is, how safe is it for you and me in this day and age to confess our faith? Well, it's not unsafe. It is, it is safe, rather, to confess our faith in a church as we are gathered together. It is safe, and we are thankful for that. But how safe is it to confess your and my Christian faith in this world of today? How safe is it to confess your Christian faith at your work or in the restaurant or the playground for the boys or girls or in government circles? How safe is it then to confess your Christian faith? Don't be surprised that I say that it may not be so safe, especially in the world that we live in today. Don't be surprised to hear me say that persecution is on the rise as well. Here in North America, here in Canada, will you and I still be able and willing and ready to confess our faith then in public? And that's the question that we need to consider. We might, not, we might not think twice before we say something or do something that is definitely biblical and Christian in church. It's good to do that. We speak to one another, we encourage one another, but we might think twice if we are called to do so in this world, in this world which has declared, and I have heard it several times, that Christianity is a religion of hatred. Christianity is a religion of hatred. I just heard it on the news yesterday yet. And so, what do we do then about our confession of the Christian faith? Are we going to go into hiding, perhaps? And is that perhaps the solution? Like, for instance, the, the proverbial ostrich who puts his head in the sand when he's afraid of something, when he's overcome in fear. Is hiding, then, the solution to fear? Well, we know. No, it isn't. It isn't. All this points that you and I may be wondering what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? Well, let me explain in more detail. In Luke chapter 12, the passage we have read together, the Lord Jesus is busy addressing his disciples. And there are certain dangers that are threatening those disciples at that time. 
the scribes and the Pharisees, they are in a very ugly mood. The crowd is edgy, and it threatens to get out of hand as well. There are bad rumors going around generated by some people because they are of ill will. Things are uncertain as it regards the food and their clothing and their shelter. And really, it's not much different today, is it? And then considering all these things, the disciples feel anything but at ease. In fact, they are gripped with fear. The Lord Jesus senses this, and he addresses them accordingly, and he tells them not to fear. You can read of this in verse 4, where Jesus says to his disciples, Do not be afraid. And in verse 7, do not fear. And in the course of, of telling them not to fear, Jesus provides them then also with a solution that will help them to overcome or at least deal with their fear. And what is that solution? Well, Jesus gives a solution for fear as it is found in our text verses, the verses 8 and 9. I say to you, Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Confession, therefore, is the solution, dear people, to fear. It is the solution to fear, confession. In other words, Jesus says, do not fear Confess me, and I will confess you. As I said already before, in a very, very real sense, attending the Lord's table is, as it were, renewing your confession again. And therefore, it stands to reason, doesn't it? If you have once sincerely, publicly confessed your faith in front of the church, and you would thereafter regularly keep back from attending the Lord's Supper, you are putting your confession of faith in doubt. In fact, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Well, now, our theme for this hour is as follows. Jesus Christ's confession of the confessor. In the first place, it comes as a contrast to the act of denying, comes as a consequence of another confession, and thirdly, it comes as a confession before a cheering public. Now, congregation, what is it to confess? What is the basic meaning of confess? Well, to confess basically means to say the same thing, to repeat something. When we confess with the words of the Apostles' Creed, our Catholic undoubted Christian faith, we're basically saying the same thing as what the Bible says about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We basically say the same thing. But that could simply mean confession of the truth and nothing more than that. And dear people, if all we can do is make a confession of the truth, we are practicing a rather shallow religion. Because there's more, there's more to confession than meets the eye, you see. There's more depth 
There is more to the depth of confession than merely saying the same thing or repeating some truths. And the depth of confession comes out in what the Lord Jesus says here in our text passage, where he places confession in contrast to the act of denying. Whosoever shall confess me before men, but he that denies me before men. You see the contrast? Confession then stands in, op in opposite sides or in contrast to denying. And what does deny mean here in our text, you might ask? Well, it has the strong connotation of to refuse or to disown. And this is what Simon Peter did once, didn't he? When he denied Jesus his master during the time when Jesus was on trial. Remember? Then Simon Peter denied Jesus. He refused him. He disowned him. He said publicly, I do not know the man. And over against this, and in contrast to it, we have the word confession. In other words, Jesus Christ calls you and me to confession of him, not a denial of him. He calls us to place our faith and place ourselves by faith under the ownership and under his authority. And so, mere confession of the truth, saying the same thing as what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, is not sufficient for a well-rounded confession of faith. Confession of faith implies acceptance of Jesus Christ, acceptance of him and of the sacrifice that he has made for you and because you needed that sacrifice. Sincere confession, you see, implies being an owning and being in an owning relationship with Jesus Christ, being able to say, He is mine, I am His. And this is what we have learned already with our Heidelberg Catechism, haven't we? When we are told in, in the very first question and answer that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair will fall from my head. Well now, let me for a moment dwell on verse 9 of our text, where Jesus says, but he who denies me before men will be, not be denied before the angels of God. Why do you think? Why does Jesus feel the need to say this as he is busy calming his disciples and doing his best to allay their fears? Why would the Holy Spirit want such a Bible passage as this to be read in the church? After all, no one in church would ever deny the Lord Jesus, would they? We know better, don't we? We know better. The Lord Jesus Christ says this, and the Holy Spirit has this read in the church as a warning 
not only just to his disciples, but also to church people like you and me. Sadly, sadly true enough, it is possible for church-going people to deny Jesus Christ. Let me explain. Perhaps, perhaps there are people listening this hour who have done so and who are perhaps still doing so even at this moment, denying Jesus before men, refusing to confess that you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, disowning him. Well, you might ask, how is that possible? How is that possible? Well, you know, this happens, especially when we're still in our younger ages, when you're out with your buddies and you wanting to hang around with them and not missing out on the fun, pretend that you want nothing to do with the Christian religion at that particular time. This happens when you are ashamed to stand up for what is right, what is honest, and what is true, and you go along with the crowd, and you go along with the sinful ideologies that are spreading around, sinful ideologies in this world of today. This happens when you are actually ashamed to speak of Jesus Christ in a respectful way, but you go along with, with the party, so to speak, that speaks disrespectfully of Jesus Christ. You are busy then, you see, denying Jesus before men, refusing to have any sort of relationship with him, in fact, disowning him. This happens, dear fellow church goer, when you are at work, and you conduct yourselves differently than you would in church. Unchristianly differently from the way you conduct yourself in your home or in the church. This happens when you're at work. You cuss and you swear. You cut corners in your work. Or when you cheat. Or when you slander. Or when you act violently when you act unbecoming towards your fellow male or female worker, whatever it might be. You are busy then denying Jesus Christ before men. You are busy denying that you have any kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. You are, in fact, disowning Jesus Christ. And if this has become a growing habit with you, or perhaps even a normal way of conducting yourself in public, the Lord Jesus Christ issues a serious warning to you by way of our text. And he says, if you go on to deny me before men, you will be denied. You will be refused. You will be disowned by no one less than God himself. Public denial of Jesus Christ will someday have the consequence of being publicly denied, even in more unthinkable public way, you will then be denied, refused, disowned by Jesus Christ and that in the presence of the angels of God. And that's terrible. Terrible. My dear friends, please do not trivialize this warning. It comes from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as you can read it here in our text. 
And therefore, let us cease from such sinful conduct. Let us repent. Let us seek forgiveness of it with God. And with God's help, let us change our ways. Because denying will have dire consequences that you will be denied. But confessing will have the blessed results that you will be confessed. Now, I must elaborate on this a little bit more in second place. As I must speak of Christ's confession, that, he comes, that it comes as a consequence of another confession. Jesus Christ says it very clearly here in our text, and it can hardly be misunderstood. I say to you, and that is the Lord Jesus speaking, I say to you, he that confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. In other words, as consequence of you publicly confessing Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will publicly in heaven confess you. Or to say it in somewhat different words, if you have learned to embrace Jesus Christ by faith, and if you learn to own him as your Savior, and has publicly declared it so to be, not only in your words, but also in your conduct, Jesus Christ will accept you, and he will own you publicly, even heavenly publicly. The stress here is on doing so publicly, not secretly, but publicly. This is why there must be, obviously, a public confession of faith, for you have learned to embrace Jesus Christ by faith and own him as your Savior. You do that publicly. It must be done in public. That means it must be done before men and women. So it says in our text before men, so that in turn, Jesus Christ may confess you in public. Now, there are people who do not dare to make their confession public for fear of man, perhaps, or for fear of the world's scorn, perhaps, or for fear of some, some other reason, and their confession is therefore, so they say, it is done secretly. It is kept secret by them. But there is a great problem with that, you see, with keeping a confession secret. A great problem. What is it? Well, I could even say that there's a great disadvantage to keeping your confession secret, which is that such people who keep their confession secret will rarely if perhaps never have any real assurance of their confession if it was genuine. Refraining from public confession and relegating it to secrecy often leads to much uncertainty, many doubts, many fears, and great turmoil of heart, great turmoil of spirit. And so, dear people, please do not procrastinate in preparing to publicly confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Do not put this spiritual act, this spiritual act, out of your thoughts, out of your life, as something that is peripheral and really unnecessary. Don't ever think that. 
nothing is more important, nothing is more necessary in your life than knowing Jesus Christ and experiencing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and then publicly confessing it to be so as well. It is crucial. It is important. If on the day of judgment, when all of us, when all of us will come to, you want to enter into eternal life, don't you? You want to have Jesus Christ confess you and own you as a child of God. You must then prepare to make public confession of him in this life, in this life. Jesus Christ would not be pleased with anything less than that. And so he says, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. Well, you say, all of this has to do with making public confession of faith. But what does that have to do with the celebration of the Lord's Supper? Well, dear people, it has everything to do with the Lord's Supper. As I've stated this already, attending the Lord's Supper is the recurring act of making public confession of faith. Also, in attending the Lord's Supper, the words that Jesus Christ speaks here apply. Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. Who Whenever, rather, whenever you attend the Lord's Supper and partake of that sacrament, you publicly before men confess that you have learned to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. Whenever you partake of the sacrament, you publicly confess that the sacrifice of his body and of his blood was a sacrifice that was made for you as well and made in your place. It is called substitutionary sacrifice, you see. Whenever you sit at the table of the Lord, you sit there and that in public view, as one bought, as one owned by the Savior, Jesus Christ then Jesus Christ will also have that liberty to confess you publicly, even in heavenly places. And also here, dear people, the same thing applies that secrecy is not to be condoned. It should not be the case. False religion and cults, you see, they muddle around, don't they, in secrecy. But not so the Christian religion. Perhaps you reason that you can be as good a Christian even though not partaking of the Lord's Supper. But such reasoning is faulty. It is faulty. And I might even say sinful. Because Jesus Christ says before men. But you argue and say no, no. Secretly, secretly. This is contradicting to what Jesus Christ says. You may be a Christian, perhaps, but most certainly then a disobedient Christian, a Christian who is ashamed to go public. You are giving Jesus Christ then no honor, you see, and you are keeping yourself at a spiritual disadvantage. 
you would give Jesus Christ reason to say about you, he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. How will you ever come to any sort of spiritual strength and any sort of spiritual assurance as consequence of, of, of you not publicly confessing through staying away from the sacrament? Jesus Christ may very well deny you that spiritual strength and that spiritual assurance that you should have when you come to the table of the Lord. But perhaps you cannot make this public confession, not because you are unwilling as such, but because you have some fears. Fears of what others will say. Fears of not being able to remain strong and steadfast in the faith. Fears of not being able to bear and able to answer sufficiently those who ask you a reason of the hope that is in you. Perhaps you are afraid to publicly confess your faith because you are afraid, you fear persecution in one form or the other. Perhaps you do not dare to admit that you are a Christian because you are afraid of, of losing your job or losing your privileged position in government circles. Perhaps you fear the growing advances of persecution. Dear brother or sister, remember the fears that the disciples were gripped with when they gathered around the Lord Jesus in our text chapter? Remember the solution then that, that Jesus Christ provided for them to combat this fear? He did not tell them to go into hiding. He didn't tell them to, to follow him secretly. He did not tell them to lay low for a while and to refrain from any public show of allegiance to Christ. In fact, to the contrary, he urged them to publicly confess their faith. Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. And dear people, this applies to you and to me as well. If you have learned that Jesus Christ truly is your Savior, do not remain in hiding about it. Do not keep it secret, but confess it, not only by attending the Lord's Supper in the safety of the church, but confess it out there in the world. Let your confession in the church and in the world become the means then of strengthening your faith. Trust, therefore, in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ as you are given here in our text. He will confess you publicly and it will be a joyful, a happy, joyful thing for him to do so. This is what I must speak of in the last place because his confession of you will be a confession before a cheering public and so we read, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. Now, why does Jesus mention here the angels of God? Well, because the angels of God, they are the public of heaven, you see. These angels, they are intensely interested in the salvation 
of man and woman, boy and girl. They act as official witnesses to the salvation of man. Not only that, but they cheer the salvation of man because we read in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, for instance, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, it is for this purpose that the angels are mentioned here in our text. The presence of the angels makes what Jesus Christ does and what Jesus Christ says makes it a public event. And so, dear brothers and sisters, take this in for a moment. Take it in. Jesus Christ's confession of you is a confession before a cheering audience and a cheering public. We might not hear any cheers in church if a sinner repents or makes a confession of faith or approaches the Lord's table. Although I must say that every believer, I am sure, will feel joyful of heart when so-and-so comes to the table for the first time, having seen that he or she wants to serve a living Savior. I'm sure that it is a joy to the heart of other believers. But in heaven, among the angels of God, there is much cheer and there is great rejoicing. Lastly, why does Jesus Christ refer to himself as the Son of Man here? Well, he does so in order to persuade us, you and me, that he has such a binding relationship with us, being one of us, being one of our flesh, being one of our bone, that he is proud to confess us before a cheering public of heaven. And so, dear congregation, let this picture then form in your mind and in your heart that we are called to confess our faith in church and in the world. Jesus Christ will proudly confess before a cheering public of angels all you who have confessed and who have learned to confess him publicly by word of faith and by the act of faith, by word and by conduct. And dear people, this is why the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed himself, didn't he? This is why he sacrificed himself so readily and so willingly for the likes of you and me. His confession, after all, it took him to the cross and allowed his persecutors to do with him as they wanted to do with him. He bled. He died. But he rose again from the dead. And he is now in heaven. And what he's doing there? Well, he is busy confessing us favorably. And not only in the presence of the angels of God. But he also confesses us before the throne of his Father in heaven. And don't you forget that Jesus Christ is ready to welcome you home when you have finished confessing your faith in church and in this world. Amen.